Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So Paige, today we are going to be talking about what is seen and what is not seen. I know it sounds like some sort of a (laughs) horror movie, but that's not it. This is actually a principle that if people understood this, they would sometimes be able to solve problems that they think they can't solve. So there are layers to a problem. And sometimes we just focus on one thing so much that we can't see any of the other layers to the problem. So what we're going to be talking about today is what parents can do to help them see what is not seen with the behaviors with their children and how they can help their children see what is not seen because children have a tendency to hyper-focus on one aspect of something and then not be able to see anything else past that. So we're going to be talking about problem solving today. We're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about what we can do to see the things we wouldn't normally see. But before we do that, Paige, we've got to talk about a fun family activity. So what type of a family activity sounds fun to you? Well, something that I have done multiple times like as dates and even just with family activities we've done a bob ross painting night so um usually that's where like you find you know a bob ross video and you try and copy as much as possible based on his instructions or you just have a fun painting night. i know one time for a date i did we did that but we could only use our fingers and so mm-hmm. we had our paint, you know, acrylic paint, whatever we used, but we had to use our fingers. We couldn't use anything else. So that got interesting. But <laughs> that we would had some chunky things happening. <laughs> I could see that being very interesting. So last night, our family activity was to do Bob Ross painting. And, and I had this, I found these tablets of like, painting canvas paper stuff and I was like oh we're going to use this paper and see if this works and I want you to know you need a canvas okay you got to have a canvas to do Bob (laughs) Ross painting because we tried to do it on the paper stuff and we just couldn't blend because the paper was technically meant for watercolor and apparently watercolor paper just soaks up all the moisture and so because the majority of watercolor is water water see what I'm saying so we couldn't move it around I was thinking perfect you can move stuff around with watercolor because the water so we'll be able to smear things really nice no just the opposite happened (laughs) and so we didn't have a great experience with the paper but then after that got out the canvases and oh well yeah big difference with the canvases so anyway Bob Ross is so funny my my son Porter he was like Uh, Of course, you know, Porter, I'm telling you, he's my son, but I'm telling everybody else he's my son. There you go. Anyway, but Porter was so funny because he was like, he was like, we don't make mistakes. What what is it that Bob says? Oh, now I just lost it. Uh, We don't make mistakes. We make um, cute little 
accident. No, I don't know. It's it, we don't make accidents. We just make cute little, little something. Yeah, or something. But it was like nothing. It's like there's no mistakes to Bob Ross. There's no mistakes. So you just paint, paint, paint. There's no mistakes. <laughs> it was just so funny because he just kept quoting little things from Bob Ross and and then um, my intern. Nicole was in our group. She was painting with us too. And she's like, Oh, that's so relaxing. And she's like, and she's like getting sleepy because Bob Ross is like, Well, he's got a very soothing voice. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Anyway, so there we go. Do a Bob Ross painting. So fun. And even if you're not skilled, just just do it. It's a hoot. It's worth it. It's worth a try. Pull together whatever painting stuff you've got. Maybe pick up a few things at the store. Don't forget the canvases. You know, they're not actually <laughs> that expensive. You can get some little tiny ones. Anyway, and then just uh, paint away because it's really fun. Okay, so let's talk about what is seen and what is not seen. We are going to be looking through the lens of self-government. So Paige, how would you describe self-government? Self-government, like we like to say, is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of our own behaviors so that we can control them. Exactly. So what that means is a person chooses to be in control of themselves and they choose to be completely honest with themselves about what they're doing, what they should be doing. This actually does require morality. I hope that's not bad news to anybody, <laughs> but in order to, in order to govern yourself, you have to be able to clearly decide what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is true, what is false. And so there, there does need to be a kind of a moral authority. And um, I truly believe in a higher authority than myself. So I go to a higher authority for moral authority. Um, I go to God for what is right, wrong, good, bad, true, and false. And then I examine myself and see how close I'm getting to where I know God would have me be. And then I make adjustments from there. That is what a self-governed person does. They have no problem saying, you know, I'm not quite the best version of me yet. I think there's improvement left. And, and I clearly anticipate as a person who even teaches self-government and has been doing so now for well over 20 years, I fully anticipate that until my dying day, I will be trying to improve upon all of the little things and sometimes even the big things that I need to improve on. Well, I feel like there's, there's always room for improvement no matter where you are. And so that's why it's so important that we actually go and look for the things that we can't see at the moment or that we didn't see before so that we can find those things and work on those. Right. For instance, okay, when we're just talking about our own self-government here, okay, what is seen that I... Um, that I never wake up on time. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. That's, I, I'm not saying that. Are about you me. picking on me? <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying this is maybe a common one. Okay. So what might be seen is that somebody doesn't wake up on time or is having a hard time with that. But what is not seen is that before they're even going to bed, they are deciding well, you know, I, I'll get up when I get up. Like I, I'll try for this 
this time, but it's probably not going to work. And my sleep is super, super important. And so they tell themselves their sleep is super, super important, but they're staying up late at night. Mm-hmm. And so they're not, they're not getting up in the morning because they're not going to bed at night. You know, it doesn't have as much to do with the alarm as it does to how are you setting the stage at nighttime? Here's another thing. Um, the person who always makes excuses. So they may say, oh, yeah, I had some things happen that get in the way of me getting somewhere on time, say, for instance, or something like that. But those excuses actually create more uh I guess, tardy behavior, more not on time behavior. Because Mm -hmm. you just say, well, you know, I mean, if I have an excuse, I have an excuse. So what is seen is I'm there late and, and I have an excuse. What is not seen is these excuses that I keep finding and coming up with, you know, whether they're, whether they're things that really happened Mm -hmm. and are legitimate or not. If I think in terms of excuses, I'm going to continually find more excuses. Right. So just Right. That yeah, there's, there are layers and layers to everything that people do. And there are so many parents that will say to me, um, you know, my, my child won't talk to me, for instance, like their child gets to be in their teen years and they'll say, well, my son's put up this wall and he won't talk to me. Okay. Well, that's what's seen, right? Well, what's not seen? How old is he? He's 16. He's 17. Well, he is probably trying to figure out how to turn into a man. Now, ideally, he talks to you about how to turn into a man, how to launch into manhood. But does he feel like you're holding him back because you don't talk openly with him or you only talk to him about the chores he did or didn't do, but the conversation never goes anywhere else, you know? And so, If you say, well, where's he at developmentally, that might be a not seen thing, but also Mm -hmm. does he, does he feel like you don't understand him and you don't understand what these feelings are inside that he feels like he's trying to become a man? Well, then he probably needs different experiences. He can't be treated like a child anymore. There's got to be something different that happens. So maybe what the not seen is, is that the parents are not trusting in the growing process. Maybe the parents are not doing the training that's necessary. And so the child is frustrated. Maybe the parents are, you know, babying the child. Maybe, you know, there's all, maybe the parents are just not even noticing that the child's in that phase and they want things to stay the same. And, but they're not going to stay the same because you can't stop a person's development fully, you know, and and there's just little things that come up. So there's always these not scenes that people don't you know they don't know what they are so when especially when it comes to our own behavior and our own relationships we literally become free if we can see what is not seen yeah well a lot of that comes with like the per the personal analyzation process you know you're trying to always look for things that maybe you missed or you're like okay i didn't do that very well Let's rewind and kind of revisit that situation. What could I have done better? Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. We're going to do that next time. You know, I actually love this process and it's something that you taught us how to do very well growing up. Um, Just that self-analyzation process. Um, And then, you know, because of that, because I'm able to analyze myself, I can then um, transition into 
analyzing others as well, being able to help them see. In fact, there's a story that you tell a lot about this time when you were making dinner and uh, Porter, when he was really little, he came up to the top of the stairs and he's like, mommy, I want, I want a cup of water. I want a sippy cup full of water. And you didn't hear him. And so then he started crying, you know, and that kind of shocked you out of whatever you're in. But, um, and you know, he's, you're like, oh shoot, he's crying. And so then you analyzed, okay, I think I heard him say he wanted a sippy cup of water. Now, what do I do? Okay. Now he's, okay, he's crying. It's probably because he thought I didn't hear him. So you said, oh, Porter, you know, I know you think that mommy didn't hear you, but I did. And I'm sorry for not responding, you know? And so immediately he felt understood. And so everything was better. Mm -hmm. So what was, so the not seen thing was at that point, um, my own behavior. I had instead of because he started crying after he asked me for something and I didn't respond. It was like my mom is ignoring me. I mean, that's what it looked like, you know, but I was just in the middle of cooking and just zoning off and I just wasn't there, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway. And so but a lot of parents would be like, ah, the crying. Why are you crying? What do you want? And if I started into what do you want right then, then he would feel even like maybe a little tact and obviously, especially if I had that kind of a tone. So instead I stopped for a minute and I asked myself, wait a minute, what's going on here? What do I need to understand? What is not seen here? And then the words, it's like they they were in space. Mommy, can I have a sippy of water? Just came floating back to me. And I went, okay. So I need to explain to him that I do know what he said, that he wanted a sippy of water and that I did hear him. I just didn't respond and that I'm sorry for that. And so then he didn't have to feel attacked, bothered to repeat it again. He didn't have to think his, his mom was deliberately ignoring him either because yeah, I fixed the situation, you know, afterward. So yeah, that's a really good example, actually. So I got introduced to this idea of what is seen and what is not seen. Well, okay. Now let's just say I always have been trying to see what is not seen. Okay. That's, it's kind of like a part of me that I would go, now, wait a minute. What's the layers behind there? Well, why would that person do that? I've, I've always just done that naturally that's just part of my personality I think maybe it's because I'm supposed to teach all the parenting stuff that I do I don't know but um it's just how I'm wired but I didn't realize that it would be a principle and a concept that would be useful for everyone until I read a political economy book by a French writer named Frederick Bastiet or Bastier or whatever I do not speak French anyway so um (laughs) It ends with a T, <laughs> so whatever you do with that. Um, anyway, so in his book, he talked about what is seen and what is not seen and how in economics, you've got to be looking for what's not seen. And really in law, in, in government, in all problems, you should always be looking for what is not seen. And the problem is, and I've noticed this, a legislative session is in swing here where I live and and maybe a lot of other places too right now. And I've noticed that 
not all lawmakers look for what is not seen. They get so hung up on what is seen, the proof, the proof, the proof, the proof of this, you know, that they don't look at the potential consequences. They don't look at what could possibly occur. So they don't look at what is not seen. And it takes great wisdom and experience in solving problems to be able to see what is not seen, or at least to know that there's always what's not seen. And I think that's step number one. Yeah. Well, and I think another thing is a lot of people will purposely focus on what is seen so that people don't go looking for what is not seen. Oh, Paige, that was a slam dunk. You're so (laughs) right. And that's a tactic, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it diverts, it diverts. And we certainly see this with, you know, stories that are in the media and stuff like that. You'll hear something and, and you say to yourself, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? But those things are never brought up. Right. And so you ask yourself a question, you want more information, but you never get it because they only focus on a couple of tangibles that they can turn into what they want. So anyone who actually goes looking for that extra information can become a formidable force, which. Yeah. But you know, but the thing is too, is you can always manipulate and you can always say, well, this is what is not seen. And then you can mm-hmm. make stuff up. But so if you're see, a seeker of truth, then you're always looking for what's not seen, you know, or what yeah. could still be out there. And, and so, so it just depends on the motive that you're doing it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and what is not seen could be, is that person even an honest person? Yeah. <laughs> like, are they even trustworthy? What's your or track not? Record? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you all always have to be looking for the layers of stuff, what is seen and what is not seen. Now, I will say that occasionally I have started looking for what is not seen and missed what was right in front of my face. Mm. And what was right in front of my face actually was the answer. So sometimes, so you have to see it's not what is seen or what is not seen. It's what is seen and what is not seen. Which is really important because you have to keep both perspectives in balance. Yes, exactly. So sometimes you can be looking at the layers and I've seen this with therapists. Oh, you know, when I had um, foster children, almost all of them had to go to therapy. It was just, they were court ordered to do this, right? And some of these therapists would go dig in and dig in and they would miss the blatantly obvious, this person is a liar. (laughs) like blatantly or and then they have had a track record of lying with you know for everyone and so are you really truly not going to you know or or just whatever it was they would miss this obvious obvious thing and then they'd meet with me and they'd be telling me all these things they're you know feeling like they're seeing or whatever then I would say, well, well, what about this? Because this is actually what happens at home. And because the therapist never saw any of the behavior, then they'd be like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really fit my theory on. But yeah, if you don't actually know what <laughs> happens in, like what actually happens, then yeah, you are dealing in theories sometimes. So you do have to be careful. But but for this, for this uh, podcast, I think it's really important for us to, to give a good focus at, uh, for what is not seen, people will say to me, they'll say, Nicolene, I, I just did a parenting mastery training just this last week. And the first day of the parenting mastery training, everyone's introducing themselves. And there's one woman who said, 
Nicolene, I need to see what is not seen. That's why I'm here. I, I have got to see what is not seen. I know that you can see stuff in the behaviors that I can't see. And I've got to figure that out. I and so, that. yeah. And, and I loved that she knew that too. And cause she, there were problems she was desperately trying to work out with herself and her family and she couldn't work them out if she couldn't see what was not seen. So anyway, so uh, obviously that's, that's actually with the parenting mastery trainings, that's a huge thing that I focus on is helping yeah. people see um, what behaviors, because sometimes, sometimes a child is just generally not happy, but what is not seen is that they have some behavior like, oh, are they into porn? Oh, are they into, you know, something else? Are they, are they a perfectionist and they're beating themselves up all the time? Yeah. Cause well, behavior can clue you into stuff like that. Yeah. Because a cookie or a cake doesn't make someone happy if they feel like they're a failure. You know, so, I mean, there's just a lot of things that you have to ask yourself. Anyway, there is a scripture it's in the new Testament It's second Corinthians four eighteen, And this is a great scripture. Cause you know, I learned this concept a long time ago and then, you know, just kind of going through those scriptures. And I found this and I went, Whoa, this is a total, total principle that's even in scripture. And I love this. And that's probably where Frederick Bastiat got it. So there you go. Anyway, um, it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, obviously this is uh, a spiritual concept here. And, and they are saying that those, those temporal things are not as important as the layers underneath. And because those could potentially be eternal things, spiritual things, deep things about the person. I do believe that, you know, um, it's really easy to get hung up on, oh, well, this person's, I don't know, maybe this person swears or has, has bad language or looks really scary. Um, but actually that person is, really working toward becoming the best version of themselves too. And they need support, you know? Okay. So prime example of this last night, I am at the, the craft fabric store picking up stuff for Bob Ross painting, of course, anyway. And, um, and I'm checking out and there's this guy at the checkout. I can't see his full face. Cause you know, the mask and stuff, but he's got big gauges in his ears and he's got just hair that, I mean, a lot of hair and it's like, like really bright colors that you're like, how do you even get your hair to go that color? I mean, like a lot of that, you know, and, and, and kind of like more shabby dressed, maybe some people wouldn't call it shabby, but I would, because it seems like a little bit, a little, definitely not refined. Okay. And, and, and more like in some ways unkept, but in other ways, not, you know, Um, so, but then he's helping me and on his hands, he has writing and it might've been even tattooed on there actually, um, on his, on his knuckles, on his hands. And on one hand, it says God's G O D S E uh, G O D S. Hello. How can I not (laughs) spell that correctly? Um, anyway, God's. And then on the other hand, it said, will W I L L. 
And I was like, that is so awesome. And I, I said to him, I'm, I, you know, I didn't want to like totally put him on the spot, but I said, <laughs> I said, oh, you've got like a little message on your hands or something. I'm like, is that to remind you to do something? And he looks at it and he kind of smiles and he's like, well, and then he stops in himself and he's like, you know, I actually probably can't talk about that here. And I was Aww. like, oh, because, you know, like it's, you know, if it's religious, he probably doesn't want to do that, like in the workplace or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, but I was like, looking at this person, you would be like, you are so rough cut. Like, <laughs> is everything okay? You know, or whatever, but he's got this awesome, like reminder, maybe even tattooed onto his hands that he wants his hands to do God's will or whatever it is. Or he, you know, I don't know what it was exactly. Right. It's so but, cool though. But I was so impressed and it reminded me of that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the God's not dead movies, but mm-hmm. there's the second one. God's not dead too. Um, the girl at the very end, she looks like the one that's like, you're not going to get through to her. She probably doesn't care about God or whatever. Cause she looks real rough cut. Right. And, um, and I don't even know if that's the, she doesn't look stereotypical. Okay. That's really all it is. It's stereotyping. And I hate the stereotype. (laughs) So I I hate using that term because like, they're just amazing people, no matter what and where and what they look like. But um, anyway, so she didn't have the stereotypical, I'm a follower of God look. Um, But then at the end, it was like her vote that that made the difference and, and, and made the case sway in the way that would protect, you know, God's will. And you see her walk out and then on the back of her neck, there's like a, a cross tattooed on her neck. You know? <laughs> it was just like, Love that. it was like, of course, of course, you know, she didn't look like that she would be a religious person, but she was. And, you know, yeah. I think the little surprises like that just bring me so much joy you know, as I met this young man for just the briefest second, it had an impact on me. Uh, no, I actually have love that. I have a good friend who, um, she's actually talked to me a lot, and she's like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a member of this church, and, you know, a lot of people think, like we, my husband and I, we get a lot of judgment because we don't necessarily look like, you know, the typical members of a church, and you know, cause I dye my hair a lot and, you know, I wear a lot of makeup and it, you know, it kind of looks a little gaudy, this, that, and the other. She's like, but I really like it. But, you know, we were faithful members of our faith and we get a lot of judgment from other people because we don't look like the typical members. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And she's like, but you know, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm always safe to talk to you because you've never judged you know, me for how I've looked, you know, cause I knew her before she got married and stuff. Um, and she's like, you know, it's, it's always nice to have someone to rely on. I'm like, how interesting is that? You know, cause there's so many different sides to people, you know, even people you think, you know, really well. And it's, it's interesting to see just how much you don't know about someone and how just giving them that, that benefit of the doubt that, Hey, something may be going on there. And I want to know what that is before I make a snap judgment just how much that can truly impact you and the person that you might possibly be passing judgment on. Yeah. And I think um, that's a prime example of what is seen and what is not seen. You know, she's saying, 
people don't see what kind of people we really are just because Mm -hmm. maybe on the outside, we don't look that way. This does bring up a point though. Okay. So there is a true point that you might throw your own self under the the bus periodically in people's mind, just because of the way you present yourself to the world. Right. So I did always tell the family and I know people have been critical probably of the Peck family, or at least intrigued (laughs) by the fact that we don't drink coffee and we dress a certain way and we, whatever, you know, and and things that are about our family. Um, But I always told the children, you know, every person is presenting something. They're selling themselves to the world, essentially. Like, well, are you going to take me seriously? Well, look, I'm a person that can be taken seriously. So you know, this young man or like your friend, they might be presenting themselves in a way that, that people don't normally take them seriously because that's a look of like, they're not seriously engaged in the serious stuff, mm-hmm. but is not seen. And this is a true principle. Like we're talking about is they might be, yeah. they might be caring about all the serious stuff just as much as we do. And everybody else does. But but what you look like on the outside does actually impact what people think is going on on the inside Mm -hmm. because they are trying to look for what is not seen. So when they see the, what is seen, the outside appearance, they go, Oh, that person is probably in a pretty dark place and whatever. And so they make assumptions they assume. So now here we are on a different, a different angle with the, what is not seen is there's assuming then. So you might think you see what is not seen, but it could just be an assumption, right? Which yeah. means you really have to get to the, the heart of what is not seen. And, and, you know, as far as like the perfect example of that, I mean, we definitely have Jesus Christ, the perfect example, the guy who reaches out to everybody, the guy who touches the lepers, the guy who talks about the Samaritan helping you know, the Jews and, and that normally wouldn't happen. The guy who says, listen, stop stereotyping and assuming, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. (laughs) You know, but at the same time, he did conduct himself in a way so that it would be clear to people that he was, you know, a, I don't know, a a follower, a wise person, a, a person who, um, who was doing good. Like he conducted himself in a way where he felt good to other people. He didn't seem scary or like someone that couldn't be trusted. Um, I guess, unless you were a Pharisee, but anyway, so there you go. Um, (laughs) but that was, I mean, you know, and I know not everybody's probably Christian, but I hope that everybody can understand the true spirit of what it means to be Christ-like. And that means, and that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So anyway, I was oh, just, yeah, just quickly, as I say, that reminds me of one of my dear friends. He passed away um, about a year ago and his name was Sam, but I met him while I was spending some time in Michigan. And uh, when we, when we first met him, uh, <laughs> you know, we're like, oh my gosh, he's, he's kind of scary. Uh, we walked up to him and he's got this big, long white biker's beard. You know, he's got piercings all over, um, you know, big nose rings, lots of piercings. Um, and he just, he just looked kind of scary, but we, as we got talking to him, he's like, yeah, you know, I work here at this, this new directions, uh, facility. 
and I help people who are going through transitions in life and I help kind of direct them and guide their life. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. You know, and he's like, he looks scared on the outside, but once you get to know him, he was just this big teddy bear. And, you know, he had all these collections and he had a table full of cactuses at his house that he just grew for fun. And, you know, he had an interest in family history. And I'm like, wow, Sam, like you are one amazing person. And he's probably one of my favorite people that I've ever known. Um, But if you didn't get to know him, you just think he was some crazy biker looking guy who actually rode a moped. <laughs> I love that. I hope I hope you got a picture of him on his moped because that is the best biker garb on a moped. Someone yes. needs to take a picture of that. Well, I know he's deceased now and I know it was really sad for you when you found out that he had mm-hmm. passed away. You know, just people are so beautiful on the inside and I think that's probably when it comes to what is seen and what is not seen in our parenting and in our family relationships, we've got to remember that. Mm-hmm. We've got to remember the beauty that's in there. Every person the starts out beautiful. Has. Yeah. And just that, and that people do good things. Even when they mess up, they do good things sometimes. They do. I mean, obviously there's the few selected people that have sold them souls to the devil. There's also some of those people who are just, you know, psychopaths okay really narcissistic and they just hurt people but but the majority of people the majority of people really no matter how rough the exterior is there's something good in there there's Mm -hmm. usually lots of good things in there and if you can see that you can touch them in a really good way so i love that and with our children when they are having bad behavior we've got to not villainize them right we've got to remember their potential what's in there that maybe even this mess up started with them trying to learn something Mm -hmm. or do something good or you know oh they're not doing their chore but they are reading their their little sister a story oh look how much they care about their little sister they would get so distracted from their chores every time to go, <laughs> you have to care little sister. So you got to look at the good thing and go, that's so cute. But then you still have to go. Now, I think there's a step to that <laughs> skill that that child is missing. And that's called do the task immediately, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they're not getting to that. So this is one of the reasons that we actually have skills. So in the teaching self-government program, we teach these skills. We teach four basic skills how to follow instructions, accept no answers, accept consequences, and disagree appropriately. And these skills each have skill sets attached to them. For instance, following instructions, you look at the person, keep a calm face, voice, and body, say okay or ask to disagree appropriately, do the task immediately, and then check back. So if I told my child, I need you to go do your chore, and they say okay, and they go off to do it, but then they get stuck reading a story to their sister because you know that's fun and they love their sister, <laughs> Um, then they're not doing the task immediately or checking back. And so what is seen is that they were calm. They said, okay, they went off to do it. Um, And then you have to say they didn't do it and they didn't check back. Those things are the things you can point out. Some parents though will just say, ah, this child is so distracted. They're so, um, I don't know. They just label them, but maybe it's just that 
someone's not requiring them to check back regularly. So they never get to that step on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, or they really need to have it hit home this step, do the task immediately. Maybe there needs to be training on just one or the other of these steps that they're not getting to because the other ones, they've got it down, you know? And so maybe it's not that the child's disobedient or that the child can't focus ever. Maybe the child just needs some training on how to do that. And Mm -hmm. also maybe the child who's having what looks like an attitude problem with you, maybe their big thing is they can't drop the subject. Mm. one of the steps to accepting a no answer you know so you tell them no and they are they get frustrated they say things they whatever maybe they could do everything else in that step all three of the others of the other steps to that skill but that drop the subject is the big hang-up so then let's learn about drop the subject let's practice drop the subject let's praise drop the subject let's let's make sure that drop the subject is seen by them and seen by us instead of just being like this you know what my child is just attitude problem and i'm just gonna have to drop a hammer and i'm just gonna you know and all of a sudden go into power struggle mode which never works now that's another thing that is not seen okay parents jump into power struggling and what is not seen to them is that that is only going to create more problems. It doesn't help the situation, especially for the long run. So um, there's a couple of things I've got for you that you can do to see what is not seen. Number one, learn skills with skill sets. And you can learn, you can find out all about those teaching selfgovernment.com. We've got children's books. You can read to the children to teach them the skills. Um, There's books, there's courses. Definitely look into that. Um, number two thing, have regular talks, because if you're really going to see what's not seen, you got to have conversations with them on a regular basis about what, what you are seeing and what they might not be seeing. And one of the things that you can do in this uh, type of a setting is you can do a problem solving exercises, a exercise that we do called sodas. So sodas is all about seeing what is not seen. When a person does a sodas exercise, they recognize, oh, I keep making the wrong choice because there's an an advantage to making the wrong choice. And I really like that advantage. And there's a disadvantage to making the right choice. And that's why I don't like making the right choice. Well, it's all about looking for like all the situations instead and all the options instead of just what you want or what you initially see. Exactly. Exactly. And so then my last tip for you and Paige, just remember this one for the rest of your life. My last tip for you is pray to see what is not seen in your marriage page. Pray to see what is not seen when you have children coming and with your friends, pray to see what is not seen because it's eternal. So if you pray to see what's not seen, God's going to help you. Amen. Ooh, should we end with an amen? I think we should. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on the Teaching Self-Government podcast today. And if you want to find more things about self-government and mastering yourself, helping your children learn self-government, go to teachingselfgovernment.com. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government podcast. 
For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.